You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Sunday to you all. Welcome to the Helix Hour. We are live once again. And joining us this afternoon for kind of a new segment, we're going to do this once in a while throughout the year and throughout the seasons, we're going to have a little segment called Meat Line 6. Kicking that off today is Yamaha Guitar Group President, Mr. Joe Bentavania. Joe, how are you? Welcome to the program. First of all, thanks very much, Eric. I'm doing well for Sunday. I'm excited to be here. I hope uh, everybody is looking forward to talking about what we do. I think so. And this is going to be a kind of a fun spin today because, well, first of all, I mean, this is, I'm now on my third season, which is hard to even believe that, uh, you know, from having an idea about kind of giving thanks back to this brand and this company that has really kind of overwhelmed me and, and changed my life, I thought, well, I think we should get you on the program. It's about time. I know we've, we've had done some things, some small things with you in the past when like some press announcements and things like that. I mean, that was a big thing, but it wasn't really, we weren't doing a show. It was more like a quick announcement, that kind of stuff. So let's get you on the show, talk about all the great things that are happening. And I thought it also as well, too, after three seasons, we've had a lot of guys and girls on the show that are players and, and, you know, traveling the world stages and all this kind of cool stuff, always talking all the grit, nit and gritty, nitty gritty tech stuff. Why not talk more about the people that make these products and kind of, you know, people can see behind the curtain a little bit. And I think that would be a lot of fun. And people have been excited since I announced you. So That's awesome. Well, it's good that that's the philosophy because, you know, I'm not a guitar player. <laughs> do you play any, any instruments? I don't think you play anything, do you? Or do you? Nothing? No. That's got to be a I weird thing. Up, I picked up an acoustic guitar recently, but um, no. And th- by the way, that that is a positive handicap for me because I'm not drawn to the light of the gear, and I think I can be a little more objective about some of the things that we do. But we'll we'll talk about some of my problems later on. Sure, sure. That's awesome, though, and I can see that being a, like a positive thing as well too, because now you're kind of you can be that intermediary and uh you know feel what feel what the general public feels you know and not having like not being a player not using the product per se so that's really cool we'll, we'll get deep into that later on throughout the program but let's go say, say hi to a bunch of people in the chat a lot of our regulars and probably some new faces here as well and then when we come back just to kind of warm up and break the ice a little bit we'll kind of find out more about joe the family <coughs> man and tell us about uh, some of the uh, great things you have going at home and some of the uh, proud things that you'd like to share with us so over in the chat, we've got Bam Ozzy, Jason Wade is here, a proud Yamaha uh, and Line 6 owner, uh, THR, or THR 10X amp, the Yamaha Mixer, which is a great mixer, the HX Stomp, Helix Native, and Pocket Pod. Yeah, he's, he's a fan for sure. Uh, continuing down, Kai Down is here. You know Kai from the community. Kai, Kai is one of these uh, lucky fellows that uh, enters these contests, and man, he's won some great things <laughs> on our show and many other shows. Very, very cool. Uh, let me see who else we got. Matt Krill is here. Uh, Joe Hervey is here. Charles Green is here. Uh, Einar Freiberger is is here. Brad Miller is here. And I apologize as the chat jumped on me, so I'm going to try to catch back up with it. Uh, Alec Bourne is here. Uh, Brand of Tats. Nathan Whitney is here. Very, very nice. Frank Rashad is here. That guy tends to watch a lot of our shows. Nice to have him. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Uh, Headstock Harem is here. Uh, Anthony, if I'm going to pronounce his name right, Glukov says, hey, Frank. Um, Gary Tholander is here, continuing down the road here, Dave Murphy. And if anyone has questions for, probably nothing for me, I'm sure, but if you have questions for <laughs> Joe, tag either myself or Nocturnal Butterfly in the chat, and more so likely probably t- tag her, and uh, she'll funnel some questions to me as well, too. She tends to catch everything, whereas I tend to miss a lot of things, and I apologize. 
Uh, Bucket Full of Balls is here. Nice to have you back. Alec Bourne, Ginger Lefty Gear Reviews is here. And I think I'll leave it off at that. If I miss anyone, I apologize in advance. Uh, and Alec Bourne is saying tuning in from Italy. So very, very nice. People from all kinds of time zones. Let's jump over to the most important thing here. I mean, we can talk product. We can talk accolades with successful career things and all the things. But I think the most important thing in life is, you know, what you have at home. And I, I certainly feel it here with my family. Let's talk about your family. And uh, maybe you've had some graduations recently. And whatever you want to share with us. Well, yeah, we have. Um, you know, first of all, family is important. As a parent, it really is your job. And what you teach your children uh will need to sustain them throughout their life. And it becomes a, really a baseline for the way that they grow and they develop. So in the early years, you, you really want to make sure that you impart ethics and values into them. And then, of course, you lose some control because they enter the you know the b- bigger and wider world. But if you do a decent job, I think that that all comes full circle and you see the, the product of the investment that you make. But yeah, our youngest just graduated from San Diego State University. And we're very proud of that. And she joins uh, my son, who is the oldest, and he graduated from George Mason University in 2013. And then our middle daughter, Nicole, she graduated from the University of Oregon in 2015. So um, we're done, <laughs> at, least, at, at least for the moment. And the oldest and middle are gainfully employed. They seem to be doing really well. Sammy has decided, the youngest has decided to, you know, kind of, delay her entrance into the workplace and she's off to Europe for six weeks. So, uh, which I'm okay with because, you know, there's no substitute for that kind of of life experience. And, um, you know, you got to encourage it when it's uh, when it's available. But, you know, family life plays an important role if you want to be successful in anything you do. I don't care if you work in technology, you're a musician, you know, you you sell cars. Uh, And one of the things I did learn is that early in my career, I was on the road 50, 60% of the time. So you miss some of the important events and that's why I think it's really important that when you have you know, that quality time with your children, you have to make sure that you make the best of it. You try to impart upon them the things that you believe that are important and valuable and based on the lessons that you've learned in your life, can you kind of put a fingerprint onto them and hopefully that they can reflect upon that later on. You know, time is difficult to give away and you can't make it up. At least nobody's shown me a way to do that yet. So I think for those people who, you know, are starting a career and starting a family, one thing that I can at least uh, impart upon you is that you, you know, people talk about the cliche of work and life balance. Uh, there really is no substitute for it. And I encourage people to find a way to find that that balance between the two, because uh, it's really valuable to uh, to give back to your family and something that I I actually think if I could go back I'd do it a little bit differently but um, time machine's not here yet (laughs) well I totally feel what you're saying there as well too when you're talking about you know make sure you take care of the things with the family when you can especially when they're young and things like that as well too and I, I really, really felt um, a, a strain when I was still on the road playing. Eric Jr. was just a baby at the time, maybe a couple years old. Well, I mean, I was, I've been on the road long before he was born. But, you know, when it got to the point I was going out and, and playing a lot, you know, packing, as soon as he'd see the guitar case being packed up, he, he would cry. You know, as a little baby, think, okay, when's daddy coming home? And it would be hard to back out of the driveway, you know, and like you know, you're driving off to the gig, you're trying like not to think about it. And it just it was heartbreaking. And one day that just became so much. And plus the band was becoming less fun and fun. We were an original act. And I, I pulled the plug on the band and thought, um, that's when I discovered YouTube. 
now I can be here. I can connect to more people than I ever did through stages. And I'm here with my family. As soon as it's done, I mean, they're participating in the shows every week as it is. I open the door, there's family. It couldn't be a better time. It, it is. You know, we've learned, we moved across the country. And, you know, when we were growing up and your best friend moved away, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to write to you every day. And, and you wrote one letter and then you never heard from the person again. Yeah. It's different today. Uh, you know, we moved out here and my daughters found people who had moved out here from our hometown in Massachusetts within you know days of coming here. So uh, it's good and bad. You know, we, we know that there's the, the positive side of social media and the Internet, but it has allowed us to communicate and now, regardless of where the children are, we can FaceTime, we can see them. There's a little bit more of, a, of an interaction. And I think that's a, a positive outcome of the technology that we shared today. I think so, too. And you kind of nailed it right there as well, too. You say, like, you, you move away, you tell your friend you're going to write them. And then next thing you know, you're hearing about their funeral or something. And then it's like, oh, like what, look, look at all these chapters I missed of their lives, you know? Yeah. And that's something we'll, we'll come back full circle later on in the program. It's a, kind of a nice teaser, you know, opening up doors of communication sometimes. You know, sometimes people are afraid to even speak to people and, and you have a good knack of getting people to talk, things like that. So we'll talk about that down the road too. But just a huge congratulations to the family, I mean, uh, to all of them. I mean, getting through grade school and high school and things like that is can be a challenge, you know, and let alone, you know, what's coming after that. So uh, a great success to all, to no, all the We're kids. very proud. And we're, it's funny, you know, you, you you think about your children as infants and then toddlers and then teens and then the transformation and the, the ability to have adult conversations just changes things tr quite dramatically. I'm really proud that I think we have, my wife and I have a great relationship with the kids and hopefully that means that we did a decent job early on. That's right. That's right. And and definitely, and I see that a lot as well too. I mean, I mean you, you, you kind of keep in a very open book, you know, you really... Um, everything is everything's out there you share like everything you do from cooking to gardening to family to to everything and it's you know people that do have the uh, the kind of the luxury of following you and, and the honor of following you on facebook you can you feel connected sure right? it's an honor but well, yeah, you know what i mean it. it's a privilege it's a privilege of it right you, you know you get to see more than just the corporate thing where a lot of people just stereotype all these leaders of these companies as a person that doesn't care and you know it's very personal and i, I like that a lot i i really do um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about as well, too, and I think I, I think you and I share a little bit. We're close, very close in age, actually. Um, both our dads were, big, you know, very big in our lives. And I, you, when you and I were talking on the phone a couple of days back, you had mentioned that your dad had just it was about a year to almost a couple of days ago that he passed away. So first of all, very sorry for the loss uh, of your father. Um, was he a big role model to you? And did like I know there's a lot of things he's probably instilling in you, but can you share a few things? Maybe what he did for wow. you, and maybe yeah. what, what kind of work was he in as well too? So, uh, first of all, thank you. You know, um, he he lived a full life, and uh, yeah, it's a, I think the anniversary is today actually. But, okay. Um, my dad. I grew up in New York, uh, New York and Long Island, New York, and my dad was a New York City fireman with six kids in a tiny house. So if you open up Webster's Dictionary and you look up blue collar, I think there's a family photo of us sitting there. We, we, we defined it and, um, and we were happy and that, that was the best thing. He worked, he worked all the time. And in fact, he had a whole bunch of side, what do they call them today, uh, side hustles Okay. Uh, just to help make ends meet. And what I didn't understand, my brother Pete and I, my older brother, after we would finish doing sports on Saturday mornings, he would pick us up in his truck and we would spend the entire day together working the jobs with him. And uh, it, was, it wasn't until high school that I, re I finally realized that I thought everybody did that. I thought once you left practice on Saturday, you went to work with your dad on his, his side jobs. 
And while it wasn't always fun, you know, you give, give up your Saturday and, you know, the ability to go to the movies with your friends, um, it was private time with him and with six kids and, and a job that really kept him away from us a couple, three nights a week. Uh, it was a real good memory and one that uh, the, the, the best memory was whenever we do this, this work, we would always go to a, a deli or something and have lunch together. And even to this day in, in my you know, older years, those are the things I remember. Um, he was a he was a man's man, you know. He was a hunter, a fisherman, sports fanatic, and um, but he also had this incredible compassionate side to himself uh, toward others. I, I'd almost say to a fault. I, I had seen him do things to help other people with things that we didn't have, mm-hmm. and he just had this. Um, we're we're going to talk about something called emotional intelligence later on. I think he had for for a blue collar guy, he had really high EQ. He also had this natural ability, regardless of age, to develop friendships. Um, when I was in high school, people who were 15, 16, 17, they loved him. And, uh, you know, and uh, uh, he was never one to look for the spotlight. He never wanted to be recognized. He always liked to be behind the scenes. And um, it's kind of a shame. I, I knew all this, but it really came to bear last year when I went to the funeral in New York. And I'm talking about, I'm going to say, a thousand people came wow. from state from states away, and the New York City Fire Department paid their respects. And it's kind of a shame because, uh, you know, he couldn't enjoy it because you know it was his event. Yeah, I know. But he would have really, really, really enjoyed the the outcome and the and the genuine love that that people brought to the funeral. It's funny. I stood there, you know, uh, you know, in in the moment and said. It really kind of sucks. He would really love this. We don't really get a practice but, funeral, do we? No, we don't. Rehearsal, dress rehearsal. But as far as influence, you know, my dad was a blue collar guy, and uh, you know, as I decided to go to college and do different things, he, we had some difficulty at communicating because we just were in two worlds. Mm-hmm. But I remember him telling me, and I know this quote is actually attributed to Ray Kroc for some reason, but he told me once, "None of us is as good as all of us." And the first thing I thought, I asked him if it was a quote from Star Trek. Okay, there you go. And, and it wasn't. And he said he read it in the paper. But when he, he when he thought about sports teams, he thought about there can't be an individual. It's like the old saying, there is no I in team. Right. But, but this quote is actually something to this day that I reflect on. And when I talk with, when I think about the teams that I work with, I always think about the collective strength of the unit versus any individual mm-hmm. now yes each player has to play a, a, a certain role just like a band but um i, I do believe that the, he was always good for a quote let mm-hmm. me tell you and he had plenty that i can't even say here on the air <laughs> yeah a little, little uh, off the off color a little bit yeah yeah well that's i think a lot of people could relate to this like i'm not much of a sports guy i follow baseball and hockey a little bit more so I, when i was younger but now it's you know i don't follow it whatsoever but where a lot of people could maybe think about this as bands, like you say. So you got a guitar player in the band thinking, you know what, heck with this, I, you know, I'm going to go on and I'm going to be better without the band or the bass player leaves. And, you know, you you've, you, know, you use Kiss as a good example. Look what Kiss did solo albums. You know, that's, you know, I know there's not a lot of Kiss fans here. Some of them are, some of them aren't. There's a million bands you could use the same, you know, analogy of. They go off thinking they're going to be better and you realize, you know, maybe this person isn't as good without that band. Even if they're better musicians, as that team it really, really gels, and that's what people discovered in the first place was that band. There's, there's. I, I see plenty of analogies between creating a great band and creating a good sports team, mm-hmm. or creating a good business team. Yes, it's. It, 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 we'll, we'll talk about business philosophy a little bit later, but yeah, I think that you, 
it doesn't have to be a sports analogy. It has to be about getting the right people into the right roles and having a common uh, goal. That's right. That's right. We'll say hi to a few more people here as well, too. And then we'll try to that way I can try to stay on top of it. Um, Ginger Lefty Review, uh, he was asking if there's any uh, plans for lefties coming out in guitars. I know that's always a question that gets asked with any manufacturer. And we'll try to make this kind of simple today as well, too. We won't talk about anything coming out down the road because I know we're not allowed to talk about things like that. But I think it also you, you may agree with this. When it comes to left-handed products in any in any company, it, you kind of vote with your wallet, right? You have to make sure that there's enough supply and demand for that. Is that anything you'd like to address today, um, or is it just something maybe just be patient and we'll, and we'll hopefully see some left-handed guitarists down the road? We, we've been down this road. We've started down this road a number of different times. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm a lefty. There you go. So, okay, good. You know, so you and, feel the pain. Well, uh, we have started down the road, and we evaluate the market on a vari- we have evaluated the market a variety of different times. Since the creation of the Yamaha Guitar Group and our focus being specifically on guitar players, it's, it's, it's back in play. And I, I can't talk about specific details, right. but we do realize it's an underserved part of our community. And if our job is to be number one for the guitar player over the next seven years, uh, we need to serve everybody. And um, the product owners who represent our guitar team, uh, this is something that we're constantly looking at. I, I can't get into any more real no, specifics, but uh, um, we hear you. And in fact, I, I posted yesterday, there was a left-handed guitar player, and I'm like, I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm lefty. That's right. There you go. So I, I know you guys definitely feel it for sure. And uh, it's one of those things where we just we can't talk about future things for sure. But definitely some love there for sure. Guitar Hack is here. Bam Ozzy is here as well, too. Uh, Trevor Klein is here. Uh, Matt Creel, interested in hearing about Joe's goals for, uh, yeah, over the next 12 months. Very cool. We'll talk about things, things like that as well, too. Paul Terrio is here. There's a $5 super chat from Chad. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate that. Paul Terrio, Chad Husky is here. Had a great episode a couple weeks back with him on Variax. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And one of the things we try to break down here on the show a lot of times is don't be afraid of gear. And Variax, as much as I, I love playing that thing, I, um, I didn't get into the software that much. The Workbench software intimidated me. And I wanted to break that down for others that maybe felt like that way. And Chad made it so easy for us that now we, we can tinker and, and not be afraid. And I think that's the, anything, whether it be maybe maybe trying to cook something. We'll talk about your cooking later on. Don't be afraid to try something new and uh, lose that fear. Scott Connor is here as well, too. Uh, Alec Bourne, I think some people I have mentioned and some I haven't. I'll try to get back to them. I went down to the bottom and just scrolled a little too far. Uh, <laughs> we're getting all kinds of kiss jokes in the chat. Uh, Rock and Roll Guitar Lounge is here as well, too. So this is what's really cool, too. Leading into uh, our next little segment, what, this is the more hobbies, getting to know some of the backstory. I'll just take a quick second to tie in my dad, which is going to lead into the next story of talking about you and one of your hobbies. It's talking about flying. Now, flying two different crafts, per se, but I was with my dad as a young kid all the time. I was in an aircraft when I was basically probably about 10 months old, strapped into a little seat, whether it be a basket or whatever. Not, there was no safety back then. It wasn't like a car seat and, you know, stamps approval. It was like in a basket, like a floating in the river kind of basket. <laughs> Flying in my dad's planes, my dad was a, an aircraft engineer. He would do what's equivalent to a safety check on an aircraft. So I was with him everywhere t- till I was about 16, 18 years old, going to these gigs with him fixing aircraft. And I learned how to fly from him. I learned how to fly from a Spitfire uh, ace from the World War II as well. You, so that, flying is a passion of mine. And now you've got into drone flying. Could, wh- where did that come from? And tell, tell us maybe how far you've taken that. Well, I think, I think it really boils down to a couple of real simple things. My, 
my passion for drones or you know, UASs, depending where you come from, mm-hmm. it comes from my love of flying and uh, photo- photography. And uh, the technology is just amazing. You know, you talk about Moore's Law, which says every 18 months, the processing power of a computer will double while the cost will go in half. I actually think that uh, the, the UAS drone technology is actually exceeding the limits of Moore's Law, and therefore, the consumer is the beneficiary. Um, I was, if you think about uh, crossing the chasm when new technologies are introduced, I was an early adopter. So, like early days of plasma TVs, people paying $20,000 for a TV that you can now get at Costco for a thousand bucks. If you want to be an early adopter, you you have to be prepared to overpay. Right. And so the but the today that that technology has been so democratized that you can get a a really high quality drone for a lot less. Um, You know, I I think I have a better understanding about guitar players because of drones. But I know that may sound like an odd analogy. But I look online, I see all the time somebody says, you know, do I eat tonight or do I get another guitar? Right. And, and you know, I look in your background, I see at least two, which means there's probably 10 more in a closet. Oh, there's a bunch. Um, <laughs> I realized that about uh, a year ago, I think I had between 11 and 12 different drones. And now I've, I've cut back to two favorite ones. Um, but when you think about the quality of photography and the ability, think about this. Using a drone, you can get a video or a picture of something that has never ever been photographed before true because of the perspective or your ability to come in from it at a different angle um, and for me the other drill driver for me is altitude and speed nice and from a from a from a personal I've taken a number of flying lessons I've kind of curtailed that recently um, but flying to me is something that I'm really interested in I'm, I'm really interested in the avionics of it uh, and the, uh, the physics of flight and so uh, drones give you a little bit of that rush. Uh, I also do first-person flying, so I have, I have the goggles, so I can get that FPV view. And um, you know, it's it's something that I really enjoy doing it. Um, so uh, it it's you know, was it here's uh, here here's my latest one. Is that a DJI and, Mavic or something? Or yeah, it's a it's a Mavic Two Pro. Nice. And, and um, and you know when when I think about what I spent for maybe the first Phantom Three versus the the technology set that's in here with collision avoidance and mm-hmm. uh, 4K camera and um, speed this this one will get in the mid 40s miles wow. per hour. So. That's quick. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it keeps me busy on the weekends. Were you were you the one responsible for giving passing the bug to Frank? Yeah, I, I I believe I contributed to the delinquency of Frank <laughs> flying drones. Okay, and, he, and now how how serious? I know I've seen some pictures of him. I haven't seen many lately, but he was doing it quite a bit. Is he still active in it as well? He can comment as well too. But I well, he, he in fact we were talking about uh, his most recent trip to back east. Uh, him and his uh, his grandson. He's he's now shared that bug with his grandson. Oh, that's so great. They go off flying together. Oh, that's good quality time as well too. I'll I'll share one funny story with you. I know I, just because I know you'll appreciate this, and this goes to using using maybe not using technology. Uh, my father never flew by gauges, and actually he flew mm. by gauges. I should say that, but he never flew with a radio, which was today is obviously highly illegal. It was probably illegal back in the day, but one time he was a bush pilot out in the West Coast and up in uh, Alaska and places like that as well too. And so he dead was reckoning. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, one time ran out of fuel over uh, I think it was uh, Saskatoon, and he had to make an emergency landing. 
little did he know he's there's people from the ground uh, contact me unidentified aircraft please identify yourself unidentified aircraft please identify yourself blah 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 <laughs> he made an emergency landing and uh, as he lands all of a sudden all these lights come on and search lights and people with them he landed in a prison a prison yard oh. and they thought he was coming in to bust somebody out and he was basically uh, fueled up and escorted out of there and was told if we ever see you again you'll be shot down so that was a funny story I thought you'd get a kick out with of that. With a good one. ending. Yes, with a good ending. Yes, a good, my dad lived a few more years. <laughs> he did for sure. Um, but he also taught me one of the many things as well, too. Do the job right the first time. And I think that's something we, I know what you know all about in, in uh, working with YGG. You know, nothing gets rushed out. You know, of course, you know do everything right. Before, and it's always re- better to kind of extend that deadline on something to nail it and do it right the first time. And I'm trying to instill that in junior, and it's not an easy task. Well, we'll talk about, I know at the end of the conversation, we're going to talk about where we are with Helix sure. 2.8. But um, yeah, you know, and by the way, the people who are listening on the show and the people who are represented in the different forums, our customers for Helix, they're the gold standard and there's no messing around. You know, if there's a bug, they're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And we need to do our level best to make sure that uh, we've done everything we can to ensure that the quality of the product that we shipped out because we are going to be responsible for live onstage performances. And that, that, that is an enormous responsibility for me and the team. And, and therefore, if we have to delay the release for some period of time because we're not satisfied, because we believe you won't be satisfied, mm-hmm. um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll revert to that decision all the time. You know, one of the, again, I'm sorry if it's a sports analogy, but John Wooden, who was a coach, but also a great philosopher, um, you know, he said he had a great quote. He said, "Be quick, but don't hurry." That's good. That's smart. It's 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 you know it's a, kind of the same thing, but make sure you you take your time, analyze it to death, and wait. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree. There's a couple good comments here funneled to me through Nocturnal Butterfly. Alec Bourne says. Uh, really good hearing from Joe. Um, hope like mad for a Revstar Variax. That'd be very cool down the road. Uh, the uh, the Revstar is getting some mad reviews. You know, people like Jason Sedaitis and, and Paul Hindmarsh and uh, Jeff from Smashing Pumpkins. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to miss a lot of other people, millions that are using them, but it's uh, getting some mad reviews from some killer musicians out there. Um, and Johnny Lee is in the house as well, too. Uh, he says Joe isn't at the gym. He was earlier, right? We'll be talking <laughs> about that later today, too. Uh, why uh, why the, the gym to you is more like a treat as opposed to uh, a penalty. We'll talk about that. Uh, Jason Wade, uh, who, as I mentioned at the start of the program, has a lot of uh, Yamaha-branded uh, products. Mm-hmm. He, want, he says, um, how much does Joe lend himself to be on the floor, so to speak, with the creation part of the business with his products? Good question. So um, uh, we are going to talk about management philosophy sure. a little bit mm-hmm. later. And I, I, I have to respect, be respectful of uh, the things that I don't know. Right. And it's, it's really important to be comfortable enough in who you are to say uh, what you do and you don't know. For me, my area of expertise is in the supply chain, in logistics, uh, our factories, and understanding uh, cost and transformation costs of building products. When it comes to the feature set of something like Helix or Stomp, I, I acquiesce and I distribute that responsibility to the people who are experts in the field. When I talk to people like Eric Klein and Mike Pagnini and uh, Andrew Bonica, I, I am in a different world when I hear from them. And, and it is really important that you build a team that's based on trust 
and that you provide the strategy. We have a we share our strategy, and again, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Right. But as far as I'm, I am 100% active in all of the meetings and uh, the product lifecycle management that we have from the point of ideation until the sunsetting of a product through end of life. But throughout that process, I I am a bigger fan of distributing responsibility to the people who are subject matter experts in their field. And I built, we've built a team that has high competency, high capability, and the most trust of any group that I've ever worked with. Well, something I picked up in the years of sales, I've been a salesman for just about everything except for cars and maybe uh, certain appliances, but I've sold just about everything. And I've always thought, you know, by being honest with people, and if you don't have the answer, don't don't say, oh, yeah, it's because of this. Or even when I'm talking Van Halen on my other show, you know, like I, I'm not the most knowledgeable Van Halen fan. People may think I am. I, I have some knowledge, but I'm not going to say, well, this is how he striped his guitar or blah, blah, blah. If I don't know the answer, I'll say, tell you what, I will find out. I'll ask one of my colleagues, you know, or if, if I was working at the time, my superiors, you know, and I'd get the answer. And that's why, you know, we, this team that you have, Everyone brings a certain, and actually a lot of them wear multiple hats as well, too. When I say that, I mean multiple talents. One person could be a graphics person and uh, maybe a programmer, you know, uh, many hats. And I think the team that you do have there, uh, a lot of them are multi, uh, multitasking and multi-talented. We, we created an environment where saying I don't know is an acceptable answer. Right, right. And, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing. And that's where the high level of trust comes in. And um, it, it's, it's. It's not only comfortable, but we have cross-functional teams that when you don't know, somebody else does know the answer, and then all of a sudden, everybody knows the answer. That's right. And also, I would also on that same kind of uh, path, I would think you would also not accept if someone says, "I don't like it." So if someone says, "You know, kind of interesting ideas," I don't like, I don't like it. You must tell me why, right? I don't like it is not an acceptable answer. No, but but that's again, I don't want to jump ahead, but we're going to talk about one of our development philosophies. And my phone's oh, ringing. <laughs> of course, it's spam. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, um, I know we'll catch more. Yeah, on so the back we, we will get to that, and I think I have some. I have some sufficient answers, or at least some sufficient philosophies about how we go about doing things. Good, good, awesome. We'll come back. We'll circle back to it for sure. Well, don't, going back to social media again, as really like we talked about earlier, and people that you know, I have the uh, you know, nice to be following you on Facebook, and nice to be your friend. I get to see a lot of the cool things, you know, the things that you tend to really excel at. It's like I'm one of these guys who doesn't do too many things very, very good. I can play guitar okay. I build websites. Um, and I think that's probably all I do. <laughs> I can do okay. Yeah. Sandra Lee will tell you, and you know her. She's out there trying to rig things up in the garden because I can't build them. I can't do drywall, all that kind of stuff. And I get frustrated when I see people like you. You're, you're inspiring, but it also frustrates me as well, too, because everything you touch is just seems to be magic. I'm not trying to stroke egos or anything like that. <laughs> but okay, so I'm, a few things that are very apparent to me, and I'm, and I, I'm not going to say them in any kind of order or importance, but number one, uh, cooking. Okay, I mean, geez, I see these things that you're making from scratch, like you're hanging the pastas and all that kind of cool stuff. The, the gym is just insane, uh, crazy. And one time, this is a fact, a lot, of people, a lot of people don't know this, but you called me one time, and you were literally jogging. You had the earbuds in, you're talking to me, and I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing footsteps on, on the ground and didn't miss a beat. And I was joking with Joe off the air. I was saying that uh, um, if, you, if Joe calls me and I'm walking up the stairs, get up the stairs, I'll have to say, I'll call you back and I'll call you when I get back to the top of the stairs. So there's that. And then uh, your green thumb as well, too. So let's kind of go through a few of those things. And you feel free to, into, into, you know, kind of toss in a couple other things that you'd like to do a lot as well, too. We've already talked about the drones and that. But how does it all come so naturally to you? 
Well, first of all, I think you're being way too kind. Um, I, I, I think, and if, we, if I have to be honest with myself, uh, a lot of this quote unquote success with things that I do outside of work have to do with OCD. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I want to, I work hard. I like to win and I don't mean at somebody else's expense, but if I, if I sign up to doing something, I want to be as good at it as I possibly can. And we live in a world where answers to your questions because of the internet and other resources are all available to you there. And um, when it comes to the gym, for me, it's about, uh, first of all, it's about staying alive. Okay. I, I think that if you put your body into it, as good a shape it can be, if God forbid something uh, happens to your health, you, you're starting from a position of strength. And I, you mentioned it earlier, some people look at going to the gym and uh, as a penalty, as, a, as something that's negative. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not. It's, you know, it's very competitive for me. It's a real driver, and it keeps me at arm's length from the doctors. You know, the, going to the gym, the problem with it is, yes, you can run another mile, you can run it faster, you can, you can add more weights. There's always five more pounds, and there's always one more mile, and so you have to make sure that you you moderate. Uh, I I have tried to slow things down a little bit because one of the fears you have is if you get hurt, and you can't do it at all. Yeah, it's a really it's a really bad time. But um, I'm I'm fortunate that things have been going well. I I have friends who tell me that I need to take a day off. I was doing a cryo tank for a while to help my muscles. Uh, rejuvenate more quickly. I can't do that at the moment. Mm-hmm. But but for me, all of the things that we're talking about are have to do with the fact that when I make a commitment to something, I want to be good at it. I don't want to be. That's why I've been reluctant to pick up a guitar because I'll or play golf as we talked about earlier. Yeah. I'll have t- five thousand dollars worth of clubs and I'll be taking lessons and and you know what? I have to pick and choose my battles. Yeah. When it comes to cooking, it's more generational. Um, I come from a big Italian family who love to cook a lot and they love to cook together. Um, the cooking part of, of what I do is really in conflict with the gym because if you cook it, you know, then you want to eat it. Yeah. And so I've, I've found all alternate outlets so that I can continue to enjoy the, the satisfaction of cooking but not have to feel like I have to eat it. So I make bread, I make pasta. I make homemade sausages. I, I do all that. But now uh, I can send them to San Diego to the girls and they can share them with their friends. But if you come into YGG, you'll find out there's a group called Joe's Blue Apron. Okay. And uh, what I'll do is if I'll, I'll make too much of anything, I'll package it up and I have uh, three or four customers where I'll just drop off stuff and they get to share in the things that bring me joy. And, and so uh, they give me feedback and they tell me if they like it or don't like it. But at least now it's not backing up into the deep freeze here yeah. to the point where either you have to throw it out or you feel compelled to eat it. And, and finally, when it comes to gardening, it's something I never did in my life until maybe three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is more about you know creating something with your hands and nurturing it and seeing the fundamental transformation of nature happen right, literally right in front of your eyes. I don't have a, an acre. I got three grow beds that I fill up. And um, when you work in an office all day long, and you can come out back and stick your hands into dirt, dirt and get dirty. There's for me, there's something really quite remarkable about it. And then finally, when you pick fruit or you pick vegetables off the vine, and you saw them grow from seedlings or from from seeds themselves, there's that complete uh, transformation. That I don't know. For me, it's. I, I mean, I, I I I see what your wife is doing, and 
uh, I guarantee that she would explain her passion for it in similar ways. She, I agree 100% because you talked about getting your hands dirty. And, and that's something I've never learned. I learned from that, my dad as well, too. You know, he'd have grease all over his hands. And as a salesperson, I'd go to a mechanic shop. And this would freak people out. I'd be dressed up in a suit. And I'd go talk to, uh, you know, a mechanic at a, at a shop. And he's got his hands all full of grease. i go to extend my hand. And he's like, you want to shake my hand? I didn't care. I didn't afraid. Like my dad made me don't be afraid to get your hands Perfect. dirty. You know what I mean? So, and I'm sure I'd be like trying to wipe off all the grease there and not get it on my suit, but I didn't want to show the customer that, right? But yeah, same as her. She she grows all winter long in, inside the house here in indoor greenhouses. And just this whole thing coming to life that she does, I mean, I couldn't do it. I, mean, I shouldn't say I couldn't. I haven't tried, but I have utmost respect for you guys that do that and then we'll be reaping the benefits later on to our own peppers our own corn or squash and oh man strawberries and berries it's just it's beautiful and you've seen some of the things she's got growing out right now it's doing very very well a- absolutely it's really quite amazing yeah so you're doing great as well too it's very very nice to see uh, the things that you share with us so thank you as well for sharing that let's kind of take another jump now as well too let's we're going to talk a little bit about some of the career um paths that you've been on and we'll take it right from humble beginnings too because you know some people look at see some of these corporate heads in various companies thinking oh you know you know they're given a small loan of a million dollars from their dad and now they're head, you know head of this thing you know they don't realize that many not all but many of these uh, men and women out there work you know I, I know another friend of mine who works for another big company I won't say who it is but started off in the mail room and is now pretty much the CEO president blah 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 you know what I mean so that's a long climb tell us about some of your humble beginnings and where you've gone along the way well um, you know from my immediate family, I am the first person to go to college, and I was really proud of that. Uh, my dad wanted me to be a civil servant, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they get good benefits and they get retirement. And I just had this this desire to, to see what was out there. But to be- believe it or not, I-, I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a lawyer more than anything that, that I, I didn't have. I was not driven to anything more than wanting to be an attorney. When I started college, I was in the political science program, and as an elective, I had to take. Uh, I decided to take a computer programming course uh, on Fortran 77, and th- this is back in the day. You know, I'm old, uh, where the computer was an IBM 1130, and literally to program each of their statements into the, it was on a card, mm-hmm. and you'd have to put the card into the card reader. It would then compile and then tell you whether or not it was successful. And there wasn't much syntax checking. Uh, but your greatest fear was that if you were going to a final or going to a class and you drop your cards on the floor, <laughs> it was almost impossible to resequence them. So sure. um, uh, once I took a computer programming course, I was hooked. Uh, you know, back in that day, and we're talking about um, 1982, 1983, the only access to computers were over very slow modems where there was a centralized computer and you would timeshare with it. But I became quite proficient at a number of different programming languages. I wrote some uh, text-based uh, games uh, similar to the original Myst. Okay. And you know they were they weren't knocking the ball out of the park, but I they were complete. And then uh, I was writing assembly language games for the Intel 6502 processor, which was the processor in the Atari 800 and the Atari 400. And I had three. I was part of a team that published three games. One called Time Tunnel, which was the most successful of them. Um, uh, I changed my major. I ended up getting a, uh, a degree in applied mathematics. That might be why I like Las Vegas so much. It's all about trying to <laughs> to win. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when I entered into the workforce, I went to work for Canon, and that is in fact still today the photocopier company. But at the time, uh, all companies were trying to take advantage of the idea of a of a personal computer. Right. The problem was there were no real standards, and what 
people wanted to privately advantage their hardware. So if you bought a Canon computer, you had to buy Canon Ethernet. You had to buy token ring from Canon and printers yeah. from them. So there weren't real, there weren't, there wasn't an open architecture the way that we benefit from it today. And I like to joke that Canon made an 85% compatible IBM computer, and the entire division was shut down. And believe it or not, you learn from that. You you learn from the mistakes of your companies, and you take those and you put them into your toolkit. Then I worked for a while at Digital Equipment Corporation, and I wasn't happy. I was a project manager, and a friend told me about a company, a software company, down on the river in South Natick, Massachusetts. And I went down there in my suit and walked in and. You know, I was used to the corporate environment of digital or Canon, and there was a young lady with no shoes on, with her feet up on the desk, saying, she's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'd like to work here. And she <laughs> said, do you have an appointment? I said, no, but I'll wait. And about 20 minutes later, uh, the CEO came down and started talking to me. His name was Alan Kletchman, uh, who was originally from Data General Corporation. And I left that day with a job offer. And wow. it's really how I got into software development and um uh, Access made uh, spreadsheets for mini-frame computers, and at the time, that's how you computed. Okay. The, uh, at, at the company, though, there was a developer who said, look, we should really uh, do this spreadsheet for the PC, and the collective management, of which I was not, decided, no, you know, we got a pretty good gig going here. So this employee left and founded a company called Lotus Development Corporation, oh, I know. which ended up uh, creating the product Lotus One Two Three, yeah. And while we, we were a, probably a fifty to sixty million dollar company at the time, uh, Lotus became a three hundred fifty four hundred million dollar company. So again, a missed opportunity similar to IBM compatible PCs and spreadsheets. Uh, I learned something along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at Access where I got I, my first international posting. I I was at work and our business was growing in the UK, and they were like. Does anybody want to move to the UK? And I'm like, I'll go. <laughs> and so, um, you know, went to see my family at the time in New York, you know, said your goodbyes, packed a steamer trunk and sent it off to the UK. And, you know, we were a small company. We probably knew there were rules and regulations, but didn't figure we had the money to spend for lawyers. I arrived at Heathrow Airport literally hours after saying goodbye to my family. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm saying, oh, I'm, I'm here to work. And, of course, I got deported. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, didn't have all the paperwork. And so I didn't have a work permit. And oh, no. uh, literally the next flight home, I was headed back to uh, to Massachusetts. And uh, we ultimately sorted it out. And I was able to help the company grow. Uh, and then uh, a friend asked me to go down. He asked me if I wanted to go down to Monaco for the weekend. I'm like, yeah. Sure, why not? And uh, we went into this office in Fonvier, and there was this box of Mac gear and big monitors, and I helped him put it all together. And it was the first time I saw the prototype for the Avid One Media Composer. Okay. And uh, the minute I saw it, I said, I have to be part of this. I I wasn't going to have another Canon IBM PC, another Lotus 123 access moment in my life, and it was merges two of the things I really love in life, which are films and the ability to create. And uh, Avid wasn't even a known company yet. It was still in prototype. And uh, I left my position at Access, moved to the south of France, and uh, was the one of the founding member of 
uh, Avid UK, Avid International, and I was the 13th employee of Avid Technology. And um, we grew the European business from zero to around $200 million in the matter of three years. Wow. And uh, I then moved to Ireland and we opened our first factory in Ireland. And uh, the business just continued to grow exponentially. It, when you when you do cross the chasm and you get into Main Street and you have technology that gives you a variety of financial advantages and creativity advantages, there's no stopping it. Mm-hmm. And similar to, I think, where Helix provides uh, an advantage to many of our customers today, the Avid Media Composer uh, was transformational when it comes to technology. And I was really lucky, by the way, and luck has a lot to do with stuff, to be part of something that grew from zero to almost a billion dollars. And uh, in I then was uh, asked to take over as the president of Avid Asia for three years, and then I was the chief operating officer of the company until the end of 2016. And from there, from 2016, then you went on to, to Line 6? Second. No, I retired. Okay, you retired. <laughs> uh, I wanted to spend some more time with my family. I was coaching high school lacrosse and football. Okay. And uh, one of our board members from Avid asked if I would help out at a company called Eagle Logic. They were going public. And uh, just before the public offering, we sold the company. I was only there 90 days. We sold the company to Dell for $1.5 billion in cash. At the time, it was the largest cash deal for a small private equity deal and um, I retired again yeah and, second time uh, our chairman of the board at Equalogic was also the chairman of the board at line six he he encouraged me to come out and help out here and I've been here ever since which was 10 years ago last month now I, I want to just kind of bring our good friend Frank into the equation as well too now Frank was at avid with you as well and then was it did you recommend Frank to come along with you or you knew the guy a good guy to come along is that how that worked or Frank and I have been working together. He can correct me. I'm going to say 1998. Okay. And uh, Frank has been instrumental in helping to build factories, um, uh, build businesses. And when I took the job at uh, Line 6 at the time, uh, while it wasn't a a package deal, uh, when I talked to the chairman of the board and the board members that we, we needed to transform this business and Frank is a, is really quite an expert when it comes to uh, third-party logistics and distribution, as well as, as you know now, uh, building customer service teams and uh, repair teams. And so uh, Frank leads our efforts with the supply chain in China and our factories in Indonesia, Korea, and in China. And it's, it's when we talk about my philosophy, you build teams, and often you build teams based on people that you know. Mm-hmm. And Frank and I have been uh, partners uh, in variety of businesses. Uh, and as I said, I, I'm pretty sure it's 1998. So it's an, I had black hair at the time. <laughs> there you go, dated by the hair. I remember when I didn't have gray in my mustache, which was a few years ago, too. But that's what, And I don't want to put you on the spot about Frank either as well, too. But I'd like to talk about Frank because, uh, I mean, I, and it's not centering any one of your staff out because all your staff are phen- phenomenal. And I'm friends with a big chunk of them. And I know how serious they take their roles and how much they want to interact with customers. I see it on a daily basis. Um, and he, again, I'm not trying to put Frank on the spot, but he, is, he goes above and beyond 
and uh, I, I imagine you're very, very proud of him. What he does for people out there, just he's—I I don't know when he sleeps because when you're in the gym and things like that, I know, I'm sure he's very physical as well too. But it, we're three hours apart, and I'm seeing him sending off emails at six o'clock in the morning and comments at six o'clock my time in the morning. You know what I mean? Or no, probably about it'd be six o'clock your time, whatever. Really crazy hours. The guy just doesn't stop. So just a nod to Frank as well too. Yeah, you know, but but that's what you need to build teams that do things that are transformational to their with their customers. There has to. It doesn't matter what the title is. We're going to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. You, you, this is a job, and you have to do your job. And we have a responsibility of making sure that we delight our customers in ways that other companies can't. Because if we don't, they'll move on. They'll find some place where they get treated with the respect and with the dignity and with the care. And and that has been. Look, when I joined Line 6, right, in the first three or four years, our reputation for customer service and customer support wasn't wasn't stellar. Okay. And I think part of that philosophy was, you know, we were selling products that were sub $499, and, you know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of up to the customer to decide. Well, I don't care if you're buying a $99 amp from us or a $1,500 Helix. Your experience should be relatively similar. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, uh, we sell different after-sales sales service programs to give our gigging musicians, live musicians, access to spare parts and things like that. But that's just because of the use model, not because of the price of the product. Right. And so for and, and it's it's one of the links that I've asked you to put into the YouTube page is something called and I know it's from nineteen ninety nine and, and maybe many people might say, well, how is that relevant today? If anybody if you haven't read uh, the first chapter in a book called the Clue Train Manifesto, these were uh, technology giants who sat down and said, we're about to embark on something that's going to change the world. And they predicted the power of ex- the exact power of what these Facebook user groups have today. You don't need marketing to tell you whether or not the product's good enough. You're talking directly. You're direct connecting with other customers who are providing you with better customer support in some cases, but more information and more honest information about what the product can or can't do. Mm-hmm. And if you can't embrace that philosophy and you can't embrace that technology, guess what? You're going to be overrun. You're going to be overrun very quickly. The The market moves way too fast today where 25 years ago, it was like turning a cruise ship in the harbor. It turned, yeah. but it turned slowly. Today, it's a speedboat and you need to be out in front of these things every day. Yeah. If you're trying to pick somebody up that fell overboard back in that day, not too, uh, not an easy task. Chances are you're going to be saying your goodbyes. Yeah, sorry to say it, but yeah, for sure. The feedback is there very, very quickly uh, today. It's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so thank you for sharing that as well, too. But in a second as well, too, I want to um, I want to talk about something that is very, very cool. And a lot of people, you know, people, they look at me when I do these shows. They think that all I do is talk, 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 talk. And it, when I was on the stage, when I was playing uh, in the bands, you know, I looked like I was I was there for a purpose, whatever. Then I'd get off the stage, and I'm just like this little quiet little person over in a corner, just didn't say a word, very shy, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of people like that, you know. And I think titles, as you talked about, you talked about these titles were being president or, you know, the HR person. You know, no one wants to talk about personal problems with the HR person around. They're afraid or uh, whatever the case may be. They're intimidated by titles. And some people, I look at you as being one of these people have the natural natural ability to like basically hey like make eye contact with me talk to me which which why are you fearful share and you sh- you shared a couple stories we won't mention the employee's name but one time you talked to an employee the employee was afraid of the president or the boss and um if, from there you know you almost know their kids names and their anniversaries tell us about your your kind of uh oh by the way too the links are in the description down below too for these books and, and the reports that you're talking about but share your right. share your, your talent with that 
So um, what I learned that the the, the further you advance in a company and the, the difference your title changes, the less access you have to be transparent with people. And by the way, for some people, they like that separation. There's this, this artificial wall that protects them from having to interface and interact with you. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just a person. And as I said earlier, maybe we should just get rid of the titles. Um, but the, for me, it became more and more difficult for it to have a real, a real relationship, a real experience. And I would notice that there would be people that, and I go in early, get out of the gym, and some people come in early, we have flex time. But there were people in the company that if I made eye contact with them, I literally could move them like a, a tractor beam across <laughs> the room because they didn't want to have to cross paths with me. Like, by the way, it's not because I'm a scary guy, because I think people like to think you're a scary guy because of your title. Yeah. The reality is based on everything that you know about me that's in the public realm, I'm no different than you or just about everybody else who's listening in today. But um, it's really important for me to make it a little personal. And when you do that, this is what emotional intelligence is all about. There are mul- as humans, we have multiple intelligences. And uh, Daniel Goleman decided to do his investigative work on something called emotional intelligence. And it's your ability to be empathetic toward other people. It's your ability to stand in the shoes of another person and feel how they feel during this transaction. By the way, it's, it's considered today that emotional intelligence is a bigger indicator on your potential success than even things like IQ. And so uh, this is really important stuff. And and some people have some natural ability to have EQ, but here's the beautiful thing. This can be learned. This is not something that you, you, if you either you have it or you don't have it. It can be learned. And for me, it's, it's primarily done through something, we all listen, but there's something called active listening. And active listening is really focusing on the words that are coming out of the other person's mouth, synthesizing them, and then using emotional intelligence to figure out, do I really understand how this person is feeling? And it is about feelings. I know that feels like a soft word, but feelings are critically important. And employees who feel uh, wanted and feel um, uh, that they're part of something outperform other employees by as much as 8x. And so getting good at this is really important, and it's how you move the needle. Um, for me, active listening is important, understanding body language, and then finally, having dialogue, having communications with people. And that's why it's important for me to know about if you're married, if you have kids, if you have a dog. I love dogs. So, um, if you like to garden, if you like to cook, and all of a sudden, the the wall begins to disappear. Mm-hmm. That same person who I could move around the building, mm-hmm. when I see that person in the morning, just about every day now, we talk. And that's not making me a good manager, but it is about building relationships and building relationships build trust. And when the shit hits the fan, relationships that are built on trust will help you get through just about anything. Certainly, yes. If someone calls and in sick you know, that you kind of Sorry, know the, yeah. yeah. If someone calls in sick, you know, you kind of know that their son has been ill, you know, for you know, past few weeks or something, and you get to know the family history. Look, at times, particularly when we're engaged in deep projects, we'll spend more time together in the office than you do to spend awake with your family. Oh, so yeah. you better make it a little bit personal. It doesn't mean that you can't have the appropriate relationship if things don't go well. But I'm telling you right now, when you build relationships that are based on trust and built built on empathy. Uh, you're going to get a good, good result. And, and this is not Joe wants a pat on the back. No, no. But when I when I was uh, when I took the job as president of YGG, I outright declined uh, the request to move into the president's office. 
I'm currently situation, situated in the second floor of the building in the middle of engineering, in the middle of quality assurance, in the middle of product owners. And that's where I want to be because I don't want to be disconnected from the activities that drive the company on a day-to-day basis. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I, I agree with that. When it comes to communication, this is a little trick I learned. Uh, I was from two two careers ago, two pa- paths. I was in uh, radio. It was been it was radio. Last gig I was at was radio, but the gig before that was more agricultural based radio. And uh, the, the my boss, he loved to talk, um, and uh, you know he didn't turn off his radio voice either. Once he got off the air, he did a conversation. He was still a radio guy, and that that, that grew old very quick. <laughs> but he taught me something that I never thought later in my life wouldn't be becoming a small business owner down later like now that I thought I'd be using these skills. One of the things I do is I do video commercials for people, right? I'll do a, like a 30-second ad for YouTube or whatever and go to do a small little retail shop or a meat market, whatever the case may be. And I say, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be filming. I'm going to take some pictures, whatever. And then we're going to do some scripting and stuff like that too. And then I put the camera in the office with the boss or the owner or whatever and they get freaked out. Oh, I'm on the camera whatever. I'm like, just the camera's on. Just pretend. And I'll be sitting down right beside the, uh, the owner or whoever it is, manager, and camera's above us, behind us. And I just, let's just talk. And I'll just ask him questions like, oh, when, when did you guys start? And family business, oh, was it passed down from, you know, grandfather and that kind of stuff? And after a few minutes, they, they just, they forgot about the cameras even there. And they're just talking to me. And the passion's coming out of them like, oh, yeah, my, you know, my dad started this or blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And the next thing you know, I've got three hours worth of footage that I can trim down to a 30-second video that's just exciting. And then they watch it back and they're like, oh, wow. You, and I wasn't even nervous, Right. And, and you get that out of them, and it's, Perfect. you really feel it. It's better than hiring an actor reading a script. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah, and it works. So communication is key, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm probably way behind in the chat, and I may not even get a chance to salvage it because it's gone so so far. I did a couple of people I didn't say hi to. Matt Heyman. Mitch Heyman is here. I'm sorry. Brian Cote is here as well, too. Uh, DJ Asterick is here. Uh, Paul Terrio. I think I mentioned him. Quentin James is here as well, too. Um, and this is cool. Yeah, and this is very cool. I, I know you know this for a fact. Um, but Paul saying Frank shared my ver- my first video or shared my video once, and the flurry of friend requests <laughs> I got from that, I couldn't keep up. And people in high places are for me. I respect that because I made so many great friends and connections. And Scott Roos is here from the east coast of Canada as well too. And that's very very cool. It's nice. Like just because you're the president doesn't mean that you're not like us at the end of the day. You just don't play guitar, but we, you're still connected <laughs> to us. That's right. Hilarious. Uh, let me see here. What else have I possibly missed? But let's, let's jump over and talk tech until I f- figure out the rest of the chat here. And we're only going to talk tech just for a couple minutes. And we, we briefly addressed this at the beginning, kind of hinted at it. Uh, everyone's patiently waiting for uh, 2.8 firmware for Helix. Is there anything you'd like to just you know, uh, address on that? And is it something we're going to be waiting a little longer for? Or any, anything you'd like to share with us on it? Sure. Before we just we finish with Helix, and I think that was the last topic. Yeah. I think it was. I didn't want to waste, uh, miss the opportunity to share with some of our listeners uh, what goes on at Yamaha YGG Line Six, because I, I think there may be some misconceptions about kind of the size of us and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but but the the general my general work philosophy is as I mentioned earlier, you get the right people into the right job. Uh, we work together on building a strategy that we have alignment on or we have a shared understanding of. And um, it's really important to allow people to be accountable for their actions and their results. And you do that because you have this element of trust. And then management needs to get the hell out of the way. And they need to let people do their jobs. Um, it's okay to make a mistake as long as you learn from it. 
and you need to empower people and not micromanage them. So uh, I think you mentioned earlier about your dad. One of the things we do promote is I want you to get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, because by doing so gives us such a competitive advantage that uh, when I I did work at a company once that had a uh, had some quality issues and they actually made a joke of it and said, we do it right because we do it twice. Mm -hmm. And I don't subscribe to that. (laughs) And, And then finally, I think you got to have some fun uh, when you're working together. And boy, let me tell you right now, um, people who come in and visit YGG and they see the way that we're organized and how we're set up, there's a, it's really, I worry sometimes that people don't appreciate what a great environment we've created at YGG. Um, but I wanted to share with you, now think of it, when I was at Avid, the video division pr- probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,400, 1,500 employees. So when you have depth of resource, you have you have bench strength. If you lose somebody, the next the next person steps up. At, at YGG, we're a pretty small team. We're sub 200 people in total. But I got to tell you something. I've never worked with people who are more passionate about what they do, whether it's in finance or IT or quality or QA, and specific and particularly about engineering. They want to build products that blow you away. And they do that, and we are able to retain people because we've created this amazing culture. Now, with so many musicians in the building, there are regular Friday night jams that are really professional quality. I bet. And uh, uh, the 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 HR team do a remarkable job at creating events that engage people. We have uh, employees come together to provide feedback on how we set up the company. Uh, we have an internal university where people who have expertise in certain areas share that with the rest of the company. And we also do a lot with organizational development. We believe that it's critically important to invest in the people because A, they'll feel better about the company and stay. They'll become better at what they do and we'll we'll get continuous improvement out of all the functions of the company. So we, we use a development philosophy called Agile Scrum. Now, Agile Scrum is um, you break projects down into very, very small component pieces called sprints. And these sprints are typically two or three weeks. And in doing so, you learn to do something called definition of done. At the end of any one of these sprints, you said, I'm going to make sure that this switch turns on and off, and it's either either it's done or it's not done. Okay. What's really important about breaking projects down to such small pieces is that we have this ability to pivot. So if we get new information about competition or new new technologies, Instead of the other method of development is called waterfall, where you basically say, this is the product we're building, whether or not the world changes or not. Okay. Agile, by definition, means we are able to move around. And another key component is the voice of the customer. All the products that we make are heavily influenced by the people who are listening here or in Helix Facebook group or anywhere. And even if you're not part of a focus group that you come into our office and provide feedback, we do have a, um, a site called Idea Scale, which we also have a link in the page. Down below. Where it. all of our customers, people, anybody, it could be people who work at the company, can say, uh, I can't remember who it was, but this is for you. We need more red guitars. Yes, and exactly. And you can go to Idea Scale and say, put that into the guitar page and say, guys, we need more red guitars. The people who are responsible for product ownership are responsible for looking at idea scale every day and making sure that we synthesize the voice of the customer into the product requirements documents that ultimately become products that ship out the door. And 
because products that we make are can be complicated for people who are not musicians or not guitar players, or we also have a responsibility of helping the people who the distributors who buy our product, and we act as the voice of the factory. Gotcha. And that's where our product specialists and our product owners and our salespeople are trained to ensure that Guitar Center and Sweetwater and Sam Ash are all sufficiently trained at understanding the value proposition uh, of the products that we bring to market. So uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about the internal workings about uh, product development and product life, product life cycle management. But we also have one other advantage. We have a team of people in China who actually give us the ability. We have an engineering team in China and we have a supply chain team in China. This effectively gives us an 18-hour workday. As we're leaving work and going to sleep, they're coming online in China and they're picking up test equipment, they're picking up uh, code and firmware and DSP from us so that we have this continuous cycle of development that does give us an advantage. Yeah. So just before we talk about Helix, I just I want to give a shout out to the people that I work with because uh, I've been around a number of years and I worked at really big companies and some small companies and I can tell you I've never worked with people like this in my entire career. I'm, I, I took the job as president primarily because of the people at YGD and I just want you to know through me, I'm fortunate and blessed and that in turn, you guys should have high levels of confidence that we'll meet the requirements and meet your needs as our customers. Well, I feel it greatly, too, because I've had um, a wealth of your employees on the show since I started uh, three seasons ago. I think I've had every product owner, uh, you know, from Variax to Helix to Power Cab to, you know, Stomp, HXFX, and, uh, everything, you know, and it's been I've seen the, and some of them wear multiple hats as well, too. But I, everybody, every single employee I've had on the show, they've become friends. And and uh, and also too, they the passion that they have and what they contribute back, and they they ask us for our opinions. You know, if it's a, if it's a personal conversation or if it's a survey or if it's just something on social media, I really do see it, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of go behind the curtains a little bit and talk to each of these guys, and, and I've had a, a great a great time with it. The 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 term multiple hats uh, is really important because. Um, we we have to comply with something called export compliance. It has to do with dual use and uh, where you ship products that can be disassembled and used in very bad ways. Mm. And we have we have to present our readiness not only to the the U.S. government, the BIS, uh, the Bureau of Internet Internet and Security, but we also have to present it to Yamaha. And just recently we had our audit and we presented our export compliance plan, our our training records, our audit records, and. The team from Yamaha were about six or seven people deep, and they're like, oh, this is just fantastic work. We don't know. you know, Who did you farm this out to? Who did you hire to do all this work? And Frank is part of the export compliance team, and David Kext, who is our attorney, is part of the team. We just started looking at each other, and we did it. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, but who created all these presentations and all these training records? And we did it. And it's really, it's, it's really great to be part of a team where – there's no ego about who does the work. We right. just got to get the work done. Right. Whether it's the president or the senior director of supply chain or chief legal officer, we have a responsibility to making sure that stuff gets done at Yamaha. So uh, I, I, I appreciate you pointing out the multiple hats thing because uh, we tend to lose sight of it. It becomes normal for us that I, I've got to do Tableau training. I've got to do uh, export compliance training. And uh, that's how you get 
the the flywheel of the business spinning at rapid RPMs. That's right. Now, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, and this wasn't a note on the itinerary, but just talking about the people wearing multiple hats, wasn't isn't Brandon one of the ones who designs like a lot of the icons? Uh, it, do yeah. you know, is it? Am I right on that? Yeah. So Brandon works with the UX, so the the interface, the user interface. Eric Klein, of course, does. But uh, Dale Wagler is responsible for industrial design, but also works graphically. We don't care, okay? If there's a resource that can provide us value toward getting products out with high quality at the right cost early, uh, we're open to, this is where the trust comes in. It's not get out of my dog dish. You're not a mechanical engineer. You're not a, you're not a marketing person. Good ideas come from anywhere in the company, and we have to be receptive, and we have to be actively listening to hear it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you shut people down when they say, wait a second, why is Frank Rashad talking to me about sales or sales promotion? The reality is cross-functional teams should be open to suggestions from anywhere. That's right. Some of my past workplaces, too, like people say, well, do you know anybody who can do such and such? Oh, I, I can do that. You know, and, and it's nice to actually, you know, because now you, maybe you're bored in a particular uh, thing you're doing it, and you can contribute something else. So it's very cool that people will be willing to volunteer and, and kind of show their other strengths that you may not have known that they had. Yeah. So um, I, I took a long way around to get to Helix. That's okay. And uh, I was going to joke and say we canceled it. <laughs> I know you told me that after the air. So I was like, oh, no, please don't say that on my show. <laughs> no, of course not. Um uh, 2.8, you know, from the moment we disclosed it at NAMM, uh, you know, it is probably one of the biggest releases that we have. I, um, I'm, I posted, I can't remember whose page it was on recently, that we are, work, we are working our asses off. And I was in on a Saturday, and the whole QA team were in for a day-long bug bash. I saw that and, post. Uh, and, you know, that's the kind of uh, integrity that the team has toward getting it right. And I, I would say, Frank and I talked about this uh, before the call, I, I guess the best way to describe it is we're in the last mile. Good. And I, I know that we had a committed date of spring. We're just going to alter the calendar a little bit, and we're going to move spring out a little bit further, and we're going to shorten summer a little bit. Can you shorten and winter, too, while you're at it? What's that? Can you shorten winter as well a little bit? Can you do that for, well, us? for us? For us here, it doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. But, but uh, I know everybody's anxious to get their hands on it. Uh, we've got a bunch of beta testers who are providing us with feedback. I'm, I'm going to say um, I'll go out on a limb, maybe not on a limb because it should be data-based. It's about convergence on bug and fix and find rates. Um, I would say within the next two weeks. That's fair. That's, re- that's reasonable. And, and, that- and by the way, we'll communicate. If, if I'm wrong, and I'm wrong all the time, <laughs> uh, we'll come back and we'll update uh, my mistake to the team, but based on the data that I have access to, the conversations that I have with the QA management team, and the leads on testing, and of course the father of Helix, Eric, I think we're we're very close. And um, you know, uh, measure twice, cut once, kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of a I cut once and I tell nocturnal butterfly here, Sandra Lee. I'm like, I think it'll fit. No, no, we don't do it that way. And just in case, if you need an extra two weeks of time, I know people don't want to wait another two weeks, but I could always delete this video and upload it, and that buys you another two weeks from that date of upload. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll help each other out. No, that's I fantastic. I might hold you to that. And think about it this way too: like the Eric's of the world, Eric Klein, and other staff members as well too. They're just as anxious to have this out as well too, because they're either using HX Edit at home or Helix at home or on the road or whatever the case may be. They want it just as bad as we do too. So more, it's it's more. 
more than that. We want to get on to the next thing. I know, I know. Yep. We want to get on to the next thing. Yep, that's right. So, so if you can just, I, I just also wanted to make sure that I um, paid my my genuine and, and uh, my respects to everything that everybody's doing out there to help promote Helix. Um, again, uh, anybody who gets a chance to read the first chapter of Clue Train Manifesto, you'll see what I'm talking about. But you don't actually have to go back and read an article from 1999 to see the phenomenon that is occurring when it comes to uh, the social media presence surrounding uh, Helix and the Helix family, as well as other products that we have. And so um, while we have no jurisdiction, um, everything that's been happening is organic. We have some of the we have some of the most dedicated people toward these products, people like yourself and Chris and, and Chad. And we are, we are very grateful for everything that you guys have done to help to promote us. Um, and you guys are also some of the most talented people that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. But I know it's not perfect, uh, but I do know that over time, you guys will get this all right. And uh, I look forward to us all getting together at our uh, our NAM meeting uh, next year in February, I think it is. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for allowing me the opportunity to to talk about some of the things I've done, some of the things I believe in, and uh, our commitment to our customers. Very, very well said. It's been very nice getting to know you over the, I guess, past year and a half, uh, maybe almost two years now. But it was a great meeting with you last year at NAM. It was very, very cool to meet you in person. I know Eric Jr. was very excited uh, to meet you and the team, and it was uh, quite the experience for him. And it was really funny. I joked about this, too. This is kind of very, very cool. We're in, the, in this room, quite a, quite large room. We're having a special event that night and, you know, talking to a lot of people that I only knew from, you know, across the world on social media. And all of a sudden, Jr. is missing. And I'm like, I mean, he couldn't really get hurt or taken away. It was kind of a closed door event, nice little room. And we're just, we're, I'm like, I'm talking to Jason and talking to other couple of people. I'm like, oh my God, have you seen my son? There he is <laughs> over there playing a beautiful Variax through Haley. has got a headphones on. And I'm like, I couldn't have been a more proud dad at that moment, you know, just enjoying gear and enjoying the moment. And uh, he made some friends there very quickly as well, too. Thanks Good. to the, the community. Nice young man. Very yeah. nice young man. Very proud of him for sure. But I, I do want to thank you as well, too. I mean, you're thanking the community, and I want to thank you as well, too. It's uh, quite the um, very humbling honor. Uh, you know, I know Frank was had a lot to do with the, the CS ambassador, the customer service ambassador thing, and I'm on there with a, a bunch of other fine people that just in that list is just, just incredible to be amongst that. And I will tr- work very, very hard to, uh, to earn. I always like to say this. When I get people to come to this show, there's some new faces in the chat here t- today, and I always ask them to subscribe. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to get people to subscribe to you. It's not. But I always like to be interviewing for my jobs, you know, like just like, the, like my subscribers. I want to be in interview mode all the time. I don't want to just, okay, impress the boss and then get the job. And then I put my feet up on the desk and just play, you know, Tetris all day long, right? I want to work just as hard to keep them. So that's what I'm trying to say in a long story short. I want to work just as hard to, to earn this CS Ambassador title um, that I did to, to get it. So I, I want to thank you and the team for, for having that luxury. Thank you. It's our pleasure, actually. Awesome. Well, listen, we're just a, little, a few minutes over the Helix Hour. This has been an absolute, absolute uh, fun event with you today. And I thought this would be very, very cool, too, because we every week, you know, we do we do talk about presets and we talk about, you know, this and that. But I guess we could probably end off on this note. Let's talk about the pride that you must have. And we've already we've I've seen what you have in the pride of the staff and the community. Let's talk about some of the artists that we're seeing now. I mean, we got people playing from the bedroom to the living room to the clubs and some of the world's largest 
festival stages. What is that? That, that just be, must be totally overwhelming when you see some of these things and, and these artists coming through the building and all that good stuff. It, it, it really is. Um, it, it's a bi- it's a bias because it's our product, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't care if you're playing in front of 10 people or you're playing in front of 10,000. When I saw Sheldon Fisher walking into his gig with the Daz Band on his birthday with Helix on his shoulder, even though I know he has a gig bag for it, yep. he, he had it like he was walking Proud. into the coal mine getting ready to put in a full day's work. Uh, those are the things that – and, and, and I, I love to listen to the talent out there. And I, I'm Brock, you know, just blows me away. I don't know. There's something about his tone that resonates with me. But then I'm, I'm listening to a guy shred, and then I'm looking at people playing uh, down in uh, Chuck Powell down in Florida. Uh, it 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 never stops amazing me. And uh, while I know we have bigger artists that are on bigger stage, I, I love the I love the guys who are and guys and gals who are just kicking ass with it. Because they love it, they're not they're not buying Rolls Royces because of it. They're doing it because they love it, and mm-hmm. they love at least some of what we're able to provide to them. And there's no greater joy that when you when you build are part of a team that builds something uh, that people then take that ones and zeros and transform it into tones that may never have been created before. I agree. It's, Pretty cool shit. I'll drop a couple other names, and it's certainly not to exclude any others, but a couple other people I think that are really champions out there using the product from smaller stages sometimes to bigger stages. Uh, Chad Husky, he's probably still here in the chat. You know, he shows up to a gig using a Variax and a Helix, and he's got everything from Telecasters, Stratocasters, you know, Dobros, the whole gamut. And then you've got Steve Strelacci out there who's taken power cap to levels that you know a lot a lot of people haven't seen and coming from a you know a country music background not that i know a lot about country music but i mean you're typical you got like a fendered you know twin or a deluxe reverb behind you and you know a telecaster and a bunch of pedals you know he's doing it he showed me like what he's doing world tours again and again on a tour right now shows up with a dual dual bag very and in a helix and him and jessica both using it one helix for two instruments it's crazy to see what's going on out there. They, they just published the video, and I didn't realize they were playing two guitars through one helix. It yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, and he runs that pretty for cool. her, so two paths, and he controls her. If she needs to take a solo, he'll control that for her, so that's, that's pretty awesome. And I saw Terrence published, his entire gig was a guitar and a helix. Yeah. And that, it was, it, the world's changing. I, I no longer have a tube amplifier. I'm not sure if you know this, but I I'm, I'm was a tube guy through and through. And uh, I got I got introduced to the digital world um, a few years ago. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Pod pod is what was was my first modeling thing way, way back. And then I, I kind of put pod aside and went on back to my comfort zone of amp, tube amps and, and solid state amps and all that other stuff. And then, you know, tried some of this other stuff from other brands like Positive Grid and things like that, which I still have utmost respect for. Um, and they, they're a good company, great company, good people. But that's what broke the ice for me and really mm-hmm. it broke the ice. And then I got into Helix through a guest that was on the show that I would have never in a million years. I didn't even know what Helix was. And that's, I'm gonna, there's a question coming up in a second from Richard Highsmith asked how Helix came into being. So maybe we'll end it with that. I had a metal guy on the show, Jeff Waters from Annihilator. Uh, they're kind of like kind of the Canadian slayer. And, uh, we, and he's an EVH guy. He was an EVH artist and a Gibson artist. And talking about recording the album, he goes, oh, on the last couple of records, all we used was this Helix. I'm like, well, what's this Helix? He started telling me about it. And I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. The next thing you know, a couple of months later, I'm trying one. 
And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, so fortunately I had that, that my shield was down a little bit from the other digital modeling stuff I was trying and I was open and more receptive to it. And that's another thing we can probably say to people too. You, you may like it, you may love it, maybe you don't like it, but don't be intimidated by it. At least go try it and try to do it in an environment where, you know, if, if you can go buy something and you can return it if you don't like it, try it in your home, in your home studio where you have the comfort zone, not a guitar center where you're intimidated someone's looking over your, you know, your shoulder looking at their watch like, you know, can I put it back now? One of those things, right? So but, I, but that's why these sites are so important because yeah. it's users who are sharing their experiences and not necessarily calling into our support line because they will technically tell you how to do something. Mm-hmm. But you have to live it as a musician, as an artist, and you're getting far better input. You're getting far better use instructions from people who are your peers mm-hmm. than they, you know, than the people who can technically tell you how the DSP blocks are actually plugged together. That's right. And I'm just seeing Johnny Lee. It's nice to see his name reminding me as well too. I remember when he was first started off with uh, Stomp. It's almost like he put a helix aside. He shoved it right aside for about a week or two, and he was just pumping uh, uh, Stomp stuff out. And that's really cool because it goes to show you because you know with Stomp, I know I don't want to talk too much tech. Um, Stomp is limited as far as blocks compared to Helix. I don't say limited, but limited compared to Helix. And if you can create what, what he creates and a lot of other artists are creating on Stomp, just imagine what you can do with Helix. But it goes to show you more is not necessarily what you always need. And, and there's affordable options now as well for all these musicians to get into, whether you're going to get into HX Edit. I mean, sorry, H, uh, HX Native, I should say. Um, and then, of course, Stomp, HXFX, LT, Rack, Floor, whatever you want. There's a, there's a good way to get into it without having to jump at the very necessarily the most expensive product totally. yeah for sure well and uh, richard heismas asked actually how did helix come into being uh can you share kind of in a in a uh, i guess it would be cliff notes for the americans uh in a cliff notes version how did helix come into being was it just the next leapfrog product or the next revolutionary product that you know that the the audience of the consumers demanded so, so we we were in the HD 500 world mm-hmm. and uh, at at floor 99, and we felt like there was an opportunity to deliver a price performance model that could be. We didn't. I, we weren't sure we could get 1500 for it, but we had also built a platform that was far more flexible. Uh, basically, part of Helix is part of the the. Geez, Band station, which is stage sort, uh, stage scape. Okay. Uh, and we spent years and years developing this very dynamic platform that we felt like could uh, be used on ten or fifteen different products. And uh, the DSP and MCU team, the guys who are basically in the into the the sound, were all guitar players, and they saw this opportunity to really be transformational with. That, that platform, and we had made such an investment in it. And then um, at the time, the product owner was a big time guitar player, and everybody was starting to shoot w- way outside of the range of where we were at. Okay. Um, the, the, and the, the development process is a funnel. You come up with this concept, you take a look at the market, is there a market that's big enough to support the cost and price that you wanna charge? What is the competition in that space? And we do those evaluations all the time to determine whether or not a product can move from one gate to another. Right. Helix just kept not, not going through the gates, knocking the gates over. And as we got closer to the final product, it were the customers who were brought in to do customer focuses that told us, you can't bring this to market fast enough. <laughs> and um, look, you've seen Stomp, you've seen uh, Helix Native. 
the Helix family has a roadmap that extends years out now. That's fantastic. And you, I remember seeing a video on the official Line 6 channel. This is a really cool. And people go look back and look at it. It's probably about four or five years old now, uh, or, or what it was roughly four years old. And it's artists getting their hands on Helix for the very first time. And these are guys and girls that are, you know, used to playing these big amps and their big you know, rigs, whatever. And I know what you mean when you say we can't get it fast enough. You're like, wow, wow. And, and it was uh, just so exciting to see that. And uh, but, but there's also hurdles here because even back, um, if I just may reflect on my days at Avid, mm -hmm. when you started to tell seasoned film editors that you were going to edit on a computer and that you won't be using a razor blade and uh, a china marker to edit uh, edit a film, they were very much against it. Mm -hmm. It's like telling somebody you're not going to have a tube amp next year. Yeah. And what happens is you have to be able to provide a proof of concept and proof points that the technology not only gives you a creative edge, but in some cases a financial edge where you can just gig with – all of a sudden it's just Helix. That's right. And so uh, just, the, just the sidebar is a, you know, a film editor back in the day could edit somewhere between 8 and 15 minutes of final film in a, in a day. Mm -hmm. When they were given the tools like Avid Media Composer, that number went closer to 15 or, or 20 minutes but also boosted their creativity because making decisions to cut one or two fields in either direction was just a matter of moving the playhead mm -hmm. and doing a virtual edit. So I, I think that technology removes barriers and you have to be open-minded to new technology because people who think that um, where we're going to be in two or three years from now, what a performance artist will need and what they'll use, they won't, they won't be the end of the amp. But it'll, it'll just be different equipment that has far more uh, features and functions. And that's why we need people like you to be creatively thinking and providing us with feedback on what you think needs to be in the product of the future. Exactly. Very, very well said. And this is uh, a regular on the channel as well, too. Mitch Hammond, he does a lot of um, uh, YouTube live stuff as well, too. And he's using Helix. He says he just got his Helix floor about three or four weeks ago. Still learning it. Has a few patches uh, that I just play all the time because they sound so good. And I, I find that as well, too. Just because we have the world there at our fingertips, I find myself, I have about five presets. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, probably the last live stream I did, I used one set the entire night. It's one I wrote that just has a clean, dirty, and a, and a lead channel. I didn't need anything else. I could have went crazy, but I mean, I didn't want to adjust tones. Different, like I didn't want people to have a shock in the face by going to a different one. I just played a nice tone all night long for almost a two-hour presentation. It was comfortable. I was in my zone. I was happy, you know. And that's what it's all about—just having fun with the tone and, and really enjoying it. It's something else. Lastly, I've really got to experience this with artists I've had on the show. I've had bass players. I've had uh, a lot of guitar players, of course. I, I'm not going to lie. That's a predominant guest is guitar players. But Billy Sheehan uh, was one of my first bassists, I think, on the show. Tina Guo playing electric cello, now using wow. Stomp as well, too. I've got another guy, um, a good friend of mine, uh, who's playing a theremin through it. Can you believe that? You know, a theremin. You know, like the Jimmy Page and you know whoever else uses theremins. <laughs> I should know, but I don't. And <laughs> Derek Sherinian. I mean, he's, he wasn't on Helix Hour, but he was over on my EVH show, now using with keyboard. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm anxious to see what else we've we got coming from artists and what other creative ways we can use this in the community. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's plenty. There is. Well, listen, we pretty much worked it right out to our Helix Hour Plus. 
we did it. It's fantastic. We're pretty much right on the 90-minute mark. I want to once again thank you so very, very much for joining us this afternoon, and I hope you have a great uh, uh, work week this week, and we'll watch. We'll be hopeful for uh, the next little bit for 2.8. In the meantime, we'll enjoy uh, what we have right now, and uh, I may even do some live jamming later tonight or tomorrow as well, too, just because the bug is always there. You can see it's above my head. I walk in here. Helix Rack is always on. I have this right here, this little bug, this little bug. Plugs into my guitar. I only put it on there every once in a while to charge it. And I come in here. Because, see, uh, I don't know how to put a microphone on a cabinet and get a good tone out of my mixer. I'm not afraid to admit that. I just can't do that. And by time in the older days, which was months ago, um, <laughs> you know, I would come in here and I'd get a creative idea to record something. And by time I get my sound, I'm like, screw it. I don't want to, whoop, I knocked my headphones out. I actually knocked my headphones out. I don't want to even do it. See, that's how, that's how I should not even be using some of this technology with mixers. I just knocked my headphones out. But with Helix, I plug <laughs> in and I'm ready to go. My tone is always there. The only thing that's going to change is my attitude from the day before. If I'm in a good mood, I might play better. If I'm in a bad mood, maybe I'll even play better too. Who knows? But it's, all, it's only me that changes, not the tone. I love it. Well, perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, don't say goodbye. I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Don't go away. Everyone, thanks so very, very much for uh, joining in here. I know there's a few new faces. And as I was saying to Joe earlier, if you are new here, uh, please consider subscribing, hit the bell, turn on post notifications, because we do a lot of rare uh, live jams and things like that as well, too. We interact with the audience. We've got our regular shows as well, too, uh, throughout the week. But I will work just as hard to keep you as a subscriber as we did to get you. Check out those links down in the description down below. Joe has some great resources for us. Check out that idea scale. If you have ideas that you'd like to see, whether you want to see a different button on Helix or you want more red guitars or you want left-handed guitars, sign up for an account at Ideascale and uh, funnel your suggestions. You never know. One of your suggestions could become a reality in the future. So once again, thanks again, Joe. I'm going to turn it over to so the So I, I, I just published my email address. If anybody has any questions on any of the links or Thank you. anything I did or didn't cover, uh, we operate a completely transparent organization. And anybody who knows me, you send me an email, you get a reply. There you go. Fantastic. There you go, everyone. Listen, have a fantastic Sunday, and we will see you again right here on the same channel. And until then, cheers. Hey, EVH Gear TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.